Hello and welcome into Full Screen Podcast. I'm your host, Kira Astor, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, in the middle of planning her double feature and brunch cocktails weekend on July 21st. It's Raven Ebert. How are you, Raven? And happy July. Thank you. Happy month of Barbenheimer. I'm just gonna <laughs> smash it all together. I have my party planned. Um, it's going to be a big like blowout party with choreographed dancing, and then we will have existential dread and weeping over the cost of human lives that comes with advancing technology. I think it's going to be great, you know, bring your own booze. Um, yes, it's going to be great. You have, be... Your, you have your outfit ready? Absolutely. I'm just going to wear a bright pink fedora because I feel like that covers both things yeah like the little uh the classy Oppenheimer hat in Barbie pink um and I'm going to be weeping through my mascara which I also feels like covers both movies covers both I think that's the perfect combination I was thinking I'll go the very girly route first of all I look great in pink everyone knows this <laughs> I will go the very girly route of just all pink, but my makeup will be very gaunt, you know, just like very gaunt. I'll have just as Raven loves micro uh, microcurrents and LED masks, as we were talking the other day, Raven, your favorite skincare treatments. I'll be looking snatched and gaunt. Yo, if you told that to Oppenheimer, he would just be like, well, I thought it couldn't get any worse than the atomic bomb and... Uh, didn't Lupita Nyong'o for us promo tour did the do the contact lenses? Oh, blue ones just for our favorite Irish boy. I feel like you could end up looking like either a waterbender, which is cool, um, or like people who were in the incredible Stephanie Meyer movie The Host because um, they had like those blue rings around their eyes and I feel like it could go either way. One is awesome and one is even awesomer. So I feel like that, yeah, that would definitely cover it both. I'm planning on getting a t-shirt that says I'm become death destroyer of worlds, but in the Mattel font, you know, the one that Barbie uses. With, oh, like, wonderful. The curly ends, yeah. I think that that would This be is good. it. This is like, cinema is alive. We're thriving. This is... Tom Cruise went to both movies. He says, Por que no los my dos? Next. My important question for you now is, when do we think we're getting the selfie from our mans, Chrissy Nolan and Killian Murphy, outside Mission Impossible and Barbie? Give it to us. When is it? I'm pretty sure Killian Murphy is not going to go see Mission Impossible. He is going to be at home reading classics and trying to make sure that his kids don't have a British accent because he literally left <laughs> London when they start when they started to have that Iconic. so he was like yeah legend yeah he's like if I'm going to the movies I'm going to see probably Spider-Man with my kids um, he'll definitely he go to Barbie taste he'll oh yeah and Barbie. Barbie yeah I just they don't listen they don't know anything about marketing but they're still somehow thriving on the internet the zoom interviews of killian murphy compared to all the like pool parties with barbie doing the same you know um i guess we must switch from this fun 
topic to Strike Watch 2023. We promised we'll talk about mm-hmm. what's going on uh, with the with a very important labor movement going on right now. As far as I know, no movement in negotiations, no movement in have in resolving or addressing the issues that writers are striking about. Uh, more and more support, of course, more and more people are coming forward from the actors union, from directors, and more and more writers are being seen on, on the picket lines. But the interesting thing is it is July 1st as of today, we're recording the SAG-AFTRA, the actors union contract has expired but they've chosen to extend their negotiations because they're also on the verge of striking. Friend Rusher, the president has said the, well, two weeks ago, she said the contract or the negotiations are promising. But since then, the actors have actually penned a letter. Google Docs having another moment. Google Docs, there's a Google Docs with a lot of like A-list celebrities, Jennifer Lawrence and Kate Blanchett and all these people are coming together. Meryl Streep are coming together to actually sign their support for striking because they want a revolutionary deal, you know, in, in the face of AI and voice acting sort of on the verge of vanishing. Everyone is very much in support of striking. Very interesting to me. I don't know what's going to happen, but it looks like SAG might also strike. Well, good. I hope that they realize that, and by they, I mean the people that they're striking against, the entertainment conglomerates, the media companies themselves realize that people are not as replaceable as they hope they can be, and that ultimately there is a creative verve and a response to the ideas and characters and these stories being told that people actually care about and want to go to the movies for and want to watch on streaming. After the financial crash of 2008, like nothing was a given anymore and fewer and fewer like crazy movies and crazy risks were being taken in films like i watched something that was a popular movie from back in the day which i recently did i watched face off again because i was feeling down oh and yes pick myself back up again and i was like admiring how off the wall and stupid it was and how boldly stupid it was it wasn't a bland stupid that i forgot about 20 minutes ago that Nick Cage face, it's an incredible, like, kiss of the Spider-Woman face, like, uh, no, I'm sorry, a vampire's kiss, that's the one, um, where yeah. he turns into a vampire slowly, oh my god, it's incredible, and he has that face, and I just think about it, and I go, huh, that's made my life better, and I just don't see that anymore now, it, 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 even with, like, blockbuster movies, they're all becoming so generic, because they're so afraid of deviating from a formula and not getting people's money, and it's like... It's I not, have a good point uh, about this later. Uh, this is this right on the nose. That we're going to get into it later uh, about the... Ooh. And yeah. the the second thing is, I'm sorry, like, I, I hope Fran Drescher has another voice when she's doing the SAG negotiations. I love you, Fran, but you need to do better by your union. It doesn't yeah, seem you like do. they're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was, um, that was a little bit about the strike state of the union right now let's uh, go into social media 
how the people can reach out to us and tell us about their outfits on July 21st and in what order they're seeing the movies because spoiler guys there's only one right order okay absolutely um, you can pick the right order of Oppenheimer and then Barbie or you can just go into it chaos mode or um, stream both of them simultaneously into your head via Neuralink. However you're watching both these movies, let us know on social media at Twitter and at Instagram. We are at FullScreenPod. We are also FullScreenPodcast on YouTube where we upload our videos. Uh, come watch our videos and leave comments there or send us your ideas, feedback, and thoughts at FullyScreened at gmail.com in long form. Um, you need to capture us within the first 15 to 20 seconds. Include pictures that you have of... Uh, all of the stars of Oppenheimer and Barbie at their premieres or they're going straight in the trash. Um, <laughs> Truth. You know? Raven is uh, nothing if not honest. Yeah, what can I say? I'm, I'm a very visual learner. So, um, yeah, send it to us at our Gmail, which uh, we use because we're not 500 million years old. Today, we bring you another roundup, Industry Tech Roundup. So this time we're doing a deep dive into the long dead buried service by the name of Yahoo Screen. I'll be honest, until Raven reminded me of this service, I was like, wait, what now? Yeah, what she That's a joke. was convinced that I was playing an elaborate, like, uh, long gaslighting prank on her, trying to convince her of something that didn't exist. I, I was not trying to Mandela affect her, guys. Yahoo Screen was definitely a thing. Trust me. So this is when I went down like, remember Yahoo Mail with the garish purple color, the white outline? It still exists. There's, do you guys remember MSN News? Hotmail? I had a Hotmail. I think it still exists. <laughs> and then I, you know, the AIM screen names. I went down a whole memory lane. It was, uh, it was great. What a time. Anyways, <laughs> Yahoo screen. Uh, it was a thing. Um, so today we're going to talk about where it started, what it was, what went wrong, and really tie it all back together with the state of streaming today. Because um, as of July 2023, things are flailing. Not good out here in the streaming streets. It's not good. Let's dive in. Let's do it. You ready, Raven? Ready, Freddy. Let's go. Dearly beloved, welcome into the All Hands section. We're gathered here today to mourn and to remember the life and times of Yahoo Screen. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Streaming came from the dirt, and it must return to whence it came from. Gone, definitely forgotten, but we're gonna try and revive it in our collective memory hole. Didn't know in the first place for some of us. Right. And I think that 
is a great point that we're going to bring it up again. But uh, let's let's go back to the beginning, you know, to, to Genesis, if you will. Um, we're going to take you back to the halcyon days of 2011. This was the first presidency term of one Barack Obama, who had just started a Tumblr account. So, you know, America was headed for big changes. Tumblr synergy with Yahoo too, something to, something we'll mention later. Oh yeah, and, and 2011 was such a different time, so, um, but let's do a quick recap of what was happening in streaming particularly, right? Netflix had been around for a significant amount of time and it was the biggest player, followed by Hulu. Hulu Plus, the paid version of Hulu, had just recently launched. At the time, there was no majority stakeholder, so it was kind of its own independent company. And this was the beginning of the days of cord cutting, where people would refuse to continue working with cable providers and instead just stuck to streaming services because they realized that they were not consuming content through the traditional form of TV. When do you think that term cord cutting actually went out of fashion? Because I have not heard that in a while. Round about the time Yahoo Screen died, actually. Because cable companies uh, had not come up with anything. I think, again, there were still holdouts within cable. This was when sort of uh, Breaking Bad was wrapping up, Mad Men had finished, and The Walking Dead was a massive cable TV juggernaut. So there was some attraction to cable, but I don't think we have seen a success that was solely cable-based since then. So it was still like kind of holding on so there was a cord to cut and according to people who follow these kind of stats for a living 85 percent of people around the world who use the internet also use it to watch streaming video so there were 15 percent who literally did nothing but like check their email like old people i assume but everyone was consuming content of some kind. And a lot of it came from, you know, YouTube. In 2007, internet viewers had watched around 10 billion video hours. And by 2010, that number had jumped to 36.5 billion hours, like a threefold jump. It so was, YouTube was still independent, not Google owned at this time. It was about to be acquired. Yeah. Um, if you guys remember Google Plus, this was the time that they were kind of going through that. And then the next thing came about like merging your YouTube account with your Google account. So those are bringing back a lot of traumatic memories for us. So pardon oh my me God, as we Google Plus. As we try, as we struggle to try and make coherent sentences out of our complex emotional feelings of having to combine our Google account and our YouTube account. But it was, yes, absolutely operating very independently. And YouTube was like peak YouTube at the time. 2011 was the year of Friday by Rebecca Black, that poor girl. So 2011, you... I also went down researching what happened in 2011. Consequential mm. year, guys. Consequential. Yeah. 
um let me tell you <laughs> there was like there was like a trillion hours of playbacks on youtube uh, in that year like that's a crazy crazy amount and how youtube became that sort of juggernaut it became like a source of water cooler talk like it was a touchstone of pop culture people would like send each other youtube videos and say hey did you watch this did you watch that like youtube was like also becoming home to you know scripted and uh, you know i would say catered content that was not necessarily written by people who are professionals but definitely created for the youtube platform you know donald glover was part of the dare comedy group and when he started uploading to youtube the first comments he got would be like this isn't real and they were like yeah we know we scripted this and put it out here it's a sketch like do you get it and by the time 2011 had rolled around people were like oh okay so you can make the type of content that you would normally have to like be on saturday night live for or something and you can just upload it so we had smosh uh rooster teeth the the curse of like fucking annoying orange um fred oh yes. <laughs> uh and barely political which we re later rebranded to the key of awesome they made that incredibly viral i've got a crush on obama aka obama girl by the way annoying orange yeah. for some reason i pictured lemon grab from adventure time there's definitely synergy there right oh <laughs> yeah it's it's like if someone applied a layer of artistic integrity to annoying orange and then you came up with lemon grab correct that's i hope that painted a picture of 2011 for you very vivid in parallel sort of like the other lane that's about to merge into the story is yahoo incorporated the purple is actually a trademark of yahoo kira so it's like a deliberate branding decision because they wanted to stand out from the others so and it's funny i'm calling it garish purple because in our outline the color that i've chosen for myself is garish purple is so yellow purple so she's like it's like self-loathing like you load somebody who has your own qualities because they have the qualities that you hate so when i chose you're hating, purple no one else can well, I think you're hating Yahoo because secretly you're like, I I want to like you Yahoo, but I I I can't because it's very hard. And you know what made it harder? Uh, Yahoo killing GeoCities, which they acquired and promptly like put a rock into the head of. Instead of just going into this, just take a knife and just stab me in the heart because that's what it feels like. Well, I wrote a poem about being stabbed in the heart on my live journal. I was a refugee from GeoCities. Um, I had my go. Harry Potter fan page on GeoCities, which got unceremoniously taken down. All of my self-insert fanfics about being Ron Weasley's girlfriend is gone now. What did we call the little like picture, the gifs that we, we, the gif sets that we did for live journal? You know what I'm talking about? You could oh, change yeah. your like display picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good times. And that was a pattern that Yahoo had of like acquiring stuff and killing it. I guess they wanted to weed out the competition, and that's something that you can do when you're a well funded tech company. And they were starting to become less of a big player by this time. Uh, they were completely uh, overwhelmed by, obviously, Google, which is the big presence in tech still today. And they had 
done a deal with Microsoft. <laughs> well, they were trying to be the Gretchen wieners and trying to make Bing happen and it was not going to happen. They did a deal where Yahoo's websites would have to use Microsoft's search technology and search advertising and that caused a revenue dip. <laughs> so they were not doing hot financially in 2011 and I think that you and me, we both went to a school where a lot of the graduates would migrate to huge tech companies because we are, after all, a technical school. And we didn't see a lot of people going to Yahoo. It was like definitely, definitely the era of Fang, you know? Yahoo, which is from Sunnyvale, California, definitely a Silicon Valley product, was not in the headlines anymore. So people were like, okay, we need to revitalize something what do we do and in this question the answer apparently was yahoo screen okay we pick up with yahoo screen so to add more color to the 2011 recap that raven so kindly provided for us i just want to do a general what was it like to be traversing this planet in 2011 Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People was blaring everywhere on the radio. Oh, Mon yeah. Cinematic Universe. MCU was a laughable concept as Thor had just come out. Uh, directed by Gilderoy Lockhart himself. <laughs> Anne Hathaway hosted the Oscars with a complete nincompoop. No, she hosted it alone. There was no one else next to the stage with her. I stand corrected. You are correct. Some colonizers got married in a televised event. Whatever. Who cares? Ugh, God. Ugh. Ugh. I'm sorry. Shit doesn't change. It. Oh my God. It's brought up my acid reflux. Thanks, Kira. <laughs> Oops, sorry. And then the most important of all, where was I? What was I doing in 2011? You will have perhaps a vivid memory of this. 2011 was huge for me. Hanging out in Atlantic Station, shopping at H&M, oh, destroying the environment without a care in the world. Oh, it was great. girl. Forever 21? H&M, Forever 21, yeah. <laughs> we all were, like, business casual to the club. Explain that to me. Um, but Atlantic Station, of course, also had Regal Cinemas, which is where we spent a lot of time together, you and I. So huge, we definitely did go dream. to a lot of movies together. We held hands and cried at the Harry Potter finale. Never forget you shouting Cedric during Twilight. <laughs> Cedric! Yeah. Uh, sorry to those three girls who were really mad about that. I was not sober. In my defense, I, well, I mean, we went to watch New Moon. Um, Kira was freaking out because the soundtrack had Radiohead and Tom York. So she was like, it's Radiohead, it's Tom York. And I was like, look at Cedric. He's a ghost now. He's dead. Oh, wait, he's not dead. Anyway, I don't remember New Moon. I just remember the feeling of cinema in 2011. And we were all still definitely going to the movies. I had my, like, regal card and everything. So diff different time in entertainment. For sure. Watching, wa watching and re-watching movies with different friends, that was like, you know, a lifestyle. Yeah. 
Shouts yeah. to Atlantic Station. 2011 there. When I was when I lost my student discount, so I had to have you buy the tickets for me. <laughs> Shout out to the student discount. Um, graduating college sucks because you become an adult, but you also lose that student discount, guys. Hold on to it. Moisturize. Stay looking young. Yeah, it ain't worth it. And then here comes Yahoo Video. So Yahoo Video started... Actually, Yahoo Video started in 2006 with the, you know, newish concept of video hosting platforms taking off a little. How many poor quality South Park fuck fuckity fuck 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 Cartman videos did I watch on YouTube? We'll never know. It was great. Oh my god. Child mom's a bitch. That was the banger from the movie. Formative. Formative. (laughs) Hugely formative for, for me. Um, so Yahoo Video started as as an internet-wide sort of like video search engine. And soon after, I think a few months after, they added the video uploading capability. In 2010, around 2011, it rebranded to Yahoo Screen with a sudden pivot from video hosting to video on demand. So they went from, hey, let's abandon this idea. Let's give this streaming streaming thing a a little try and with ravens you know like you mentioning all about yahoo's history a little bit their history of like going into things and not following through which we just talked off mic really pisses me off (laughs) it's just not listen if they didn't know what they wanted they didn't have an identity they were just like trying to catch up and i think that turns both you and me off as people like that's a quality we find unattractive as product leaders if you go in like half cocked you know like do your research go into it mindfully have a backup plan if it doesn't work out all of these things were absent product thinking itself was absent thoughtful meaningful consideration of their customers as you look at yahoo you know all of these like retros that we do of these products is very clear the failed products failed because they didn't stop to take their customers into consideration and that's where you lose it so you they went to video on demand with user generated content get this removed overnight it's gone so my like can you (laughs) how did how did they handle this are they first of all how do you communicate to users that your content is going to go away into the ether? Aww. Bye. Oh, you thought there was communication? It was just <sighs> a purple banner that said your shit is gone. <laughs> Goodbye, bitch. And then the commu- I mean, if they didn't do communication, it's probably then product marketing teams probably didn't do anything because I had a whole thing planned like what Aww, product marketing team. Aww. <laughs> I'm I'm disturbed right now. <laughs> I'm thinking of the time, because any kind of transitions, as Raven, you mentioned, when Google Plus and YouTube integrations, all those things, incredibly hard. It's not only hard to manage communication around this time for teams that are external facing, customer facing, but the teams, tech teams behind the scenes, handling identity, authentication, product teams, it's everything is on fire, you know, inside the house. It's exceptionally hard i mean we yeah make fun of max because it deserves to be made fun of (laughs) but 
a lot of things are to be admired about the product and tech people who, you know, didn't put everything on fire from the migration from HBO Max to, to this new platform, Max. Um, I mean, there are yeah. obviously fires. No, let's let's give on. let's give props where it's due. Um, first of all, the fire, uh, the only fire I want is the one that we throw David Zaslav in. The second one is that the people who handle that identity migration from like HBO Max to Max, and from of course like all these other ancillary services of Discovery into Max. That takes so much work that is very hard to explain unless you work in tech because let me just break it down as much as possible without like confusing everybody the identity is your login and if you fuck that up people just don't get in at all and if they don't get in you don't make money in your product so it's incredibly important to handle and I don't think Yahoo gave it that consideration. They just removed it. They made that hard pivot. Product marketing is there to support all these efforts. And if these efforts are not being made, then uh, yeah, product marketing is not doing anything. Anyway, so let's dive into, so according to USA Today, always about graphics and pictures and as little text as possible. <laughs> Again, okay, talking about product, they you gotta respect. They know what they do. They know mm -hmm. what they're doing. They know their. If identity. you're staying at the Hampton Inn off of the I two eighty five, you don't want to see words when you wake up in the morning. You want to see Come pictures. On. Yeah, they love their customers. And speaking of graphics, scroll down in our outline, Raven. I have the graphic from USA Today. Yeah, I love so a downward graph over a woman's face. It's like this woman. This woman with her so, womanness and her woman face. See how the graph starts going down right above her face? It's a really good design. I love it. I love well-designed misogyny. It's the best. It's actually pretty, pretty fair criticism of them. But um, they actually, this article is actually an interesting read because it goes into the leadership of Yahoo and the stock price, the stock performance. And it's been, it's clear that it's unstable throughout. I think this, it starts at 2005 and it goes from, I think, Jerry Yang, Carol Bard, Scott Thompson to Marissa Mayer. And that's a name that's important to us because she's in, in power during this time. Yahoo Video, Yahoo Screen. And these, as the this pivot happened during the streaming years, the stock price actually surged under Mayer and she becomes very wanted by uh, investors start to really respect her, but very short period, because again, it's very clear the leadership has no idea what their product is. And all of, all of what I know about business is from succession, not my actual day job. Bubba, bubba, super majority, bubba. Correct right business summed up and the actual yahoo never actually became really profitable in this arena and in any other arena around this time and uh, the core business itself the internet thing that they were doing uh actually they sold it to verizon media group so verizon media group now becomes the parent of of yahoo and i was just gonna say Tumblr, right? I did not know this, but Tumblr owned by Yahoo. I it just... sure was. And... They're like a failed version of Vought, the fake company in The Boys on Amazon Prime. 
Yahoo is like Vought, but not less evil because it's a better person, but less evil because they're incompetent at their evilness. They, uh, interestingly, they also had a e-commerce stake in the site Alibaba, which is so funny to me. Very, very. See what I mean? Right. It's like Vought, but less good at being evil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they need um, Moff Gideon. You know, they, that's what they're lacking. They need they need the Moff. Yeah. Um, all right. So Yahoo Screen. So Yahoo Video to Yahoo Screen, and then Yahoo Screen. Fast forward a few years in 2016, shuts down again out of nowhere due to poor performance. And I'm not specifically right now going into, oops, I just hit the mic. I'm not specifically going into the content because Raven will walk us through that later. But by later that year in 2016, another product called Yahoo View was launched. They basically, you know, went hey, to the store. Hey guys, like, quick product tip. If you're making a product, don't fucking change the name constantly because people literally don't know what to look up. I get it. You're trying to rebrand it so that people don't get confused about the functionality. But the internet has like long and short memory simultaneously. We will not remember that you changed your name and we'll just be like, okay, it doesn't exist anymore, I guess. Yeah, and then with Yahoo View, this was their like sort of effort to like whatever they had in terms of like the library of content they had produced for for Yahoo Screen. They this partnership with Hulu formed during these years and they licensed their content to Hulu during this time with Yahoo View. That was the under the umbrella of Yahoo View. Hollywood deal making at its best. Some that's what I'm saying. Like I think they went to, to like the thesaurus and they were like, "Hey, yeah. what is screen video? What do we what do we do next? View view sounds good." I kind of wish that they hadn't gone out of business because we would have been at like Yahoo light projecting into your retinas at this point. Like we would have been at that level of describing like Yahoo ocular, <laughs> you know, Yahoo eyeball. <laughs> Yahoo, look at this. Please look at this. So, guess what? With Yahoo View, decommissioned. Tech loves this word. I, I use this word on a weekly basis, by the way, in my day job. Yeah. It's not... Because mercy killing does not fly well with corporate speak. So. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta mask it, you know, in your in your decks uh, with leadership. Um yeah, yeah you want to make it sound like a submarine that doesn't have the right technology instead of uh -oh. this shit uh -oh. isn't being. <laughs> That's <laughs> what James Cameron did. Um, in 2019, decommissioned, honestly, because no one knew what it was, what is happening. So some, you know, higher up probably looked at a deck and they were like, no, 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 shut this down. And now, Raven, enlighten us about the content on this here Yahoo screen. So here's some definitive proof that Yahoo Screen existed. Kira, like you have to believe me now. And that proof is in the form of the content available on Yahoo Screen. Because I told you about Yahoo Screen and you were like, no, no, you're trying to gaslight me. I'm going to start with one of my favorite things from Yahoo Screen that I genuinely loved. It's a parody comedy series called Burning Love, a parody of The Bachelor. Uh, Ken Marino, who you have seen in like 
so many great things at Comedy Central and he works a lot with Rob Thomas. So he's in like Veronica Mars and iZombie and a bunch of other stuff. He's great. He is The Bachelor and he's working with uh, this reality television show to find love. And it's, it's a case of where like the parody is better than the actual thing it's parodying, kind of like Hot Fuzz, because Burning Love is is incredible. You'll see like a lot of female comedians being spotlighted because all the contests, like the contestants are obviously female. And one of my favorite ones was Janet Varney, who voices Cora in The Legend of Cora. Um, she is a deeply closeted homosexual in this, who has her awakening. And the audio from Janet Varney in Burning Love was used in a lot of fan dubs, so they would use her voice from Burning Love and the visuals from Korra when, of course, in the fourth season finale, spoilers guys, Korra and Asami become a couple. There's a lot of like... That's a hot couple. Yeah, it is an incredibly hot couple and the shipping videos between Korra and Asami inevitably use her dialogue from Burning Love. It's a match made in heaven and it's truly like uh, something i definitely recommend guys go check it out i've been listening to avatar braving the elements podcast which she hosts oh hell yeah <laughs> with dante and it's it's incredible highly recommend for avatar fans it's called avatar braving the elements incredible all right yeah yeah no um shout out to janet varney for being like a trailblazer for women in podcasting still a minority in that <laughs> but uh, speaking of awesome blonde women, uh, Britta Perry, uh, the sixth season of Community was picked up for Yahoo Screen. And it was like kind of a big deal at the time, because if you were canceled in, you know, on network television, it meant that, oh, you were you were dead in the water, like nothing would ever happen. And this was ahead of Arrested Development Season 4 coming out on Netflix in 2013. So this was actually like a trailblazer in some ways. You know the yeah. phrase six seasons in a movie comes to Abed re referencing another short-lived thing on NBC called The Cape. Yeah. Jeff says it's going to get cancelled and Abed screams six seasons in a movie. And that's kind of been the, the narrative around community as well. And apparently that movie is also in the works. So I feel like they're really keeping their promise to the fans. This meme, this this phrase, community brought it to the fore. Now everyone uses it. Didn't Peaky, mm -hmm. Peaky Blinders just had their sixth season, right? And now they're looking at a movie, six seasons in a movie. So Yeah, I guess it's like the perfect way to have that narrative tied up. I mean, Teen Wolf came out with a movie as well. And I think technically, if you count all the part A and part Bs, they also had six seasons. So it was pretty, pretty good um, in terms of like production and storytelling the sixth season was it felt genuine it felt like you know dan Harmon's community it felt reminiscent of like those first three seasons and it was a real shame that it didn't get more prominence i think that community has helped launch the careers of so many people you know the russo brothers donald glover Alison Brie, my favorite, Gillian Flynn, who is so excellent in everything that I see her in. Fantastic. Um, Alison as well. I'm so happy for Alison just thriving. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, 
those people are amazing. And uh, Yvette Nicole Brown as well has seen a lot of success yes. from this, and she still gets a lot of love playing a, a kind of a difficult character in Community, but even she could not return for the sixth season because of like scheduling conflicts and commitments with another TV show. Yeah, I think they tried, and they have a bunch of other originals. When I was reading about it, I was like, this is actually now I feel like I'm being pranked. An animated web series called Electric City, created by chet hanks's father tom hanks did you can you like i'm not i i i'm not making this up it really feels like i'm bullshitting here because i was like web series sci-fi animation let me read to you the cast list holland motherfucking taylor is in this Gene Triplehorn is in this. Jennifer Goodwin, Chris Parnell, Paul Shear, June Diane Raphael. I, I, I'm truly like, how did we as a society let a Tom Hanks sci-fi series fail about the post-apocalypse? Like, motherfuckers were listening to Radioactive by Imagine Dragons this whole year. This yes. should have been so successful. And. Wait. Well, that's that's it right there. Like, why aren't trailers? <laughs> why weren't trailers playing that song with exactly with this show like Yahoo? What are we doing? Here? What are you doing here? It was released in 2012, so like, um, there was another uh, comedy series created by Paul Feig, who of course Freaks and Geeks uh, directed episodes of The Office, uh, directed Bridesmaids. He's very established in the world of like Hollywood comedy. It's called The Other Side, or I think Just Other Side, sorry. And another series that was produced by Jack Black, it's called Ghost Girls. <laughs> I'm just like, you have, you, so Paul Feig was not reviled back then because of Ghostbusters 2016, so he had, yeah. he had like good vibes going for him. Okay, these are big names. There is no reason these the this content should have what happened and like jack black produced uh ghost girls which is like two kind of clumsy klutzy girls which was like the thing back then oh my god that was the rom-com stereotype but instead of finding love in a magazine or office or whatever the fuck they're actually trying to solve like cases involving the paranormal it sounds so fun. The list of guest stars include Jack Black, Molly Shannon, Dave Grohl, drummer Stop of Nirvana. Oh, no, for real. Stop. Bob Bob Odenkirk, oh Jake Johnson, uh, my dad, Jake Johnson, uh, who I try to oh, emulate his character. <laughs> He's my dad and my daddy. We have Jason Schwartzman coming in. Like these are these are names, guys. I don't know what the fuck was happening. If you look at the, you know, the concept of other space, which is like the sci-fi comedy, it's like again, I think it was like the precursor for the Orville. It's like Star Trek fans were like, hey, you know all the things we make fun of Star Trek for? Let's actually make a TV show of that. So it really captured like all the quadrants of the different types of nerds out there. I have no idea why it didn't uh, connect with people. Other Space had Karan Sony in it. 
Um, oh, really? Who, wow. Yeah, who currently voices Pavitra Prabhupada. Spider-Man India, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First generation immigrant, like making dreams happen. He's a role model for me because when I'm like, no one can do it, like he can't. So I think that it's a shame that this didn't connect and it sounds so full of promise. I don't know whether it was a quality issue or whether it was like another issue, which we'll get into later. This is so funny to me because imagine this same, the same people, same creative, same shows in the hands of Netflix. It would be completely different. Marketed directly into your eyeballs. People who are creative had like free reign to write things and produce them as they wanted to and like make the kind of content that they would want to see themselves and weren't following an executive rubric laid down by someone in marketing to say, this is the, you know, the most marketable things. This is the most appealing, popular things. It really feels like it had that indie vibe and it feels like a shame that it, that it all just went away. into Miss Objectives and Key Results. This is where today we'll discuss how Yahoo's penchant for aggressively parking itself among trendy businesses and backing it up with absolute bare minimum in just multiple parts of their business, multiple years, actually finally caught up with them. It's time to solve the murder of Yahoo's screen. You keep calling yourself a disruptor. Uh, Yahoo, what, what does that mean? I can't explain. I was waiting for this gem. Thank you, Raven. Hey, you brought up the murder mystery aspect and you knew that I was going to slip into a southern accent for that one. Come on. Legendary, legendary. All right, so let's first talk about Yahoo Screen's weakness as a streaming service itself. Uh, so I actually went down and played with, I went to, what is it called? The, the Wayback Machine and looked at some oh, videos yeah. because <laughs> it does not exist. Let me reiterate, this does not exist. None of this exists. No one has any interest in actually, you know, bringing it back, but it's very interesting to, it's very important for product people, tech people to actually do retrospectives, retros, so you don't repeat your mistakes and you actually learn from your failures in a very concrete way. Retros, very important. And I'm gonna say like a couple of reasons why I think Yahoo Screen just did not work as a streaming service. So number one, UX was just a joke. Like it just, it just, (laughs) there are multiple things. It looks like a jumbled list and blobs of color just vomited on a page and exists and this page then exists solely for the purpose of assaulting your senses and making you question your self-respect and i know it was like 2011 12 13 whatever netflix and hulu had 
decent UX. You could at least navigate to it. You could search for what you wanted and you could make decisions about what did you want it to see next or if you wanted to pause your viewing. They exactly. have those basic controls figured out. That's not a new thing, guys. Like that's what I like we have in our which I think Raven, who's our master of video here. We have in our outline here, I actually like circa 2013 did a comparison of what Yahoo Screen looked like, Yahoo or um, Hulu looked like and Netflix looked like and even HBO Go, HBO Now, <laughs> RIP, looked mm -hmm. like at, at that time. And the construct actually, the construct that exists today, you can see that it, it actually existed back in 2013 and by construct i mean the general nav bar on top right like the, the the main navigation on top then the almost full page dynamic content previews uh, announcing your new and trendy content and the that is basically center stage and the carousels construct where you have the little like horizontal horizontally organized content with a little eye-catching title of these carousels and the content previews the image and when a particular video is clicked it's automatically goes into full screen right full screen view so these principles existed back in 2013 so, but when you go on yahoo screen it's just like what is <laughs> happening and when you click on a video it literally takes up like 30% of the screen. <laughs> I think I have an answer to your question and it is in no way definitive, but you did talk about the fact that it pivoted from being uh, a place where people uploaded their own videos to hosting video content of their own. And that's what it reminds me of. It looks more like Newgrounds instead of Netflix. And I think they just yes. got super lazy with uh, reformatting the UI. It was simply a case of use what's left, like salvage what you can. And they didn't realize that you have to create a new experience for people consuming other content. So they didn't understand that. They were trying to be YouTube in the front and Netflix in the back. And you can't like, it was a disgusting like tech mullet and it didn't work. <laughs> and that's my theory of why it looks so janky. If they actually wanted to, like, it, we, we get it, you're trying to find your identity, but if they actually did experimentation and test and learn mindfully, it could have worked for them, but it was just blep, just like vomit on the page. And it's not like, as we know, Raven talked about the content. They had the content and they had, like, I saw some, like, very eye-catching buzzwords that into i mean it works for me now but in 2013 it was all the shiz you know 2013 let's go omg that just happened hashtag blessed <laughs> like awesome animals was a category you're telling me people would watch hours of you know just puppy videos and and rabbit videos Shit's creek <laughs> oh my god and uh they also had like a little uh subcategory of buzzfeed so like some videos from buzzfeed and they had a whole section dedicated to snl but you know where it is buried on a left aligned menu with about what 25 plus clickable C like ctas yeah i'm not i'm not going i'm not going there <laughs> you know what i mean like clean it up for me if you want me to use your uh, experience otherwise i'm i'm out like i got stuff to do and 
yeah, so the homepage itself and like the sub pages just it just didn't work. And yeah, it I was just, like preaching. It was an ad supported product, so they made money by the longer people stayed on there. And you're not really creating a platform for people to stay on there for a very long time. Exactly. So, yeah. I'll say number two is even though Raven talked about that there were good shows, but that was few and far between. So lacking in original programming. So they didn't actually aggressively approach and expand their original programming slate. And Netflix at this time was spending, I mean, they've far exceeded this number, but Netflix at this time was spending hundreds of millions of dollars in originals. We will we remember the cursed house of cards. That was all anyone can talk about during this time. Hulu was cranking out originals as well uh, for Hulu Plus, The Awesomes, and East Los High, and Hot Wives of Orlando, or Deadbeat, or Shut Eye. To be clear, Raven, none of these I watched, but I was aware of these. I remember Hot Wives, and I remember The Awesomes as well. It was like yeah. another, it, it was one of those forays of like fans of comic books who grew up to write like a scathing parody of comic books, but also be loving towards it and understand why. So, you know, we like one of the, the, streaming services we greatly love both of us is Shudder. They have really pursued their original programming slate and more and more people horror fans and non-horror fans talk about horror films that have been produced by Shudder as elite horror films so you've really taken over the, over that genre your streaming service has a name attached with this genre none of these things like i remember raven remembers the awesomes as attached to hulu why do i mm -hmm. not remember all of these things being attached to yahoo screen it just original even though you're an internet company if you're in this business it's all about product it, it's all about the quality of your content and if you're not pursuing that yeah we saw how it ended for them i mean they had marissa mayer who was from google and they thought that they could enlist her experience in helping but they were not trying to imitate youtube they were trying to be a competitor to netflix and hulu maybe get people more experienced in that kind of programming because guess what even youtube tried original programming and it did not work out if you don't have the right people involved it can it's not as easy as it looks, guys. Uh, you're not. trying, like, make up your mind. Are you trying to be YouTube or are you trying to be Netflix? They're not the same thing. They are not the same thing. But Roku is entering that space because they're getting leadership from these traditional companies that have experience with studios, with getting content. And that's the thing, like, you really need to bring experienced leadership that have knowledge of this space and it's it's so interesting to me I, I mean we'll see how it goes with max but uh, all goes back to david zaslav <laughs> god he's like a cursed presence he's like a cursed <laughs> kevin bacon six degrees of david zaslav i'm always afraid he's standing in the corner i'm like oh, oh my god jump scare it's like your sleep a sleep paralysis demon what is that a tan suit Oh my god! Oh my god! It's David Zaslav approaching me with canapes at a can party. Oh no! 
I wake up, I wake up in cold sweats just, just often because I think of him and the can party. <laughs> Wait, Lean in content, Kira. Lean in. <laughs> um, the last thing I would say here that really, to me, is very clear is that the short-sighted rebrand, which we've you know, touched upon and insufficient or non-existent product marketing. So one thing I would say is it wasn't, so the URL for this product was screen.yahoo.com. So Yahoo itself, so it is a child page, it is a sub page, it is a hub, not a standalone product. So you're not typing mm -hmm. screen, yahoo.screen.com, you're going from Yahoo to somewhere buried to screen, which itself from a tech perspective, just just tells you the time and yeah. resources and thought and money and is lay down that information architecture knowledge, Kira. Exactly. Exactly. Like from an information architecture perspective, you've already lost here. If you're trying to make this as a main facet of your business, no. Can you imagine if they have stake in, let's say, tum like we talked about Tumblr, we talked about Alibaba. Can you imagine Alibaba or Alibaba at yahoo.yahoo.com or tumblr.yahoo.com? No, they have already lost their identity at that point. That would, that would have killed Tumblr faster than the not suitable for work Ben would have <laughs> if you associated it with Yahoo. I just don't understand. I just don't understand how these people I feel like I'm shouting into the void because all these people are given the reins to do product when they know jack shit, when they know nothing about this. Insane. It's time for a revolution, quite frankly. It doesn't help. You may be really good at a specific thing or understanding how a specific product fits into the market, but just because it's vaguely you know, classified as software does not mean you can come in and do the same thing. Like Marissa Mayer had experience at Google. So, oh yeah, let's get our biggest competitor is, you know, executive into Yahoo. Well, guess what? She probably brought like a completely different perspective at Google that did not apply to what Yahoo was trying to do. It's to- You know what get... I was looking for? Yeah. I kept, I kept Googling Yahoo Screen CEO, Yahoo Screen head of Yahoo Screen, because I fully expected there would be someone else leading. You weren't business. binging it. You were googling it. You didn't use the incredible search product from Microsoft. The CEO itself of Yahoo.com is not going to know, and that's where you're failing. So here's here's what I will say. We're talking about David Zaslav a lot. His saving grace is Casey Bloys, who understands HBO. Yeah, you have to have a consigliere for, you know, helping out. You can't be the Don at every level. You can be the Don only at one level. Yeah, I'm calling David Zaslav a mafia boss. What of it? Come at me. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Pod. Give me your comments there. Yeah, it never broke the person. Again, it goes in. It, this feeds into so many different things. The information architecture construct not existing. You can send emails about content highlights all day. You can have subway posters. You can t tweet, create memes, have snarky comments on, you know, billboards about your product launch and content, which none of these I think they did. It's not going to break the 
perception of it's not going to break the perception of your product that people already have which is this product is email why am i going here to watch videos and original content created by tom hanks yeah and <laughs> i think the most uh advertising it got was joel McHale being the speaker at the white house correspondence dinner in 2014 it's not the right place and i was just like get better advertising guys they really failed and then obviously we keep talking about the information architecture like this kind of organization also adds so many constraints about the scalability how are you scaling this like these experiences on a child page and a hub of this nature does a change or a bug fix on a video on screen.yahoo.com translate to like videos that exist on the news page email do you know what i mean it's just completely different it's just like their tech stack i imagine was on fire prioritization on product are were there a product do you think there were product people or it was just just kind I of think it was a it was a loose collection of papers and maybe a dartboard that was their <laughs> product team Sounds about right. So since we are looking at the violent, grisly death of Yahoo Screen, let's go through this clue style, right? We have a couple of suspects. Let's look at motives and opportunities. So the first suspect is the sixth season of Community. It's really unfortunate, but Yahoo basically lost $42 million through its video division in 2015. And the CFO of Yahoo specifically called out the sixth season of the show for not bringing in as much advertiser money as the company hoped that it would. I truly feel like they had maybe not understood what type of show Community was because it basically did get cancelled for its lack of broad commercial appeal. So... Yeah, they they had no product people. No one understood what they were doing. (laughs) Yeah, um, the motive, I really don't see any because the sixth season was very much framed to be the last season. Like, it actually wraps up as a proper finale with uh, certain characters leaving and certain characters staying behind. And there's an actual, like, you get the sense that this was very much written to be the finale of the show. The opportunity that this suspect had i mean it's an expensive show because everybody in it were established stars it had like that groundswell of support from comedy circles in the industry dan Harmon is of course now much more affiliated with rick and morty than he is with community but It was the launching pad of the careers of the Russo brothers. Uh, Kevin Feige openly admitted that the paintball episodes was what made him approach them for, you know, the Winter Soldier. To eventually go on and do Citadel, of course, yes. Incredible. Yeah. (laughs) And they're back to making TV schlock where it's like, imagine the paintball episodes, but without the tongue-in-cheek meta commentary. That's Citadel. How unfortunate. I'm, I'm going to cross this one off the list because the motive is not holding up for me. So I'm, I'm removing it from the list of suspects. Number two, a very uh, prominent suspect over here, like Mrs. Peacock level. This is other streaming services. 
So their motive is, of course, extremely clear. We have clearly established consumer habits that dictate that users can only spend so much time and money on streaming. People tend to keep maybe two or three streaming services at once. They can't keep up with everything. If you are watching something for free, it better be buttery smooth in its experience to keep you coming back uh, because ads annoy people and they're often the reason why they switch from television to streaming. So. So that's a big fat juicy motive right there. And the opportunity, of course, was the streaming services were spending big money in investing in new content, both inside and outside the US. You know, Yahoo Screen was very much like within the 50 states and not really looking anywhere else. Streaming rights for older content and primetime television shows like at one point netflix was basically making money because it was hosting the office and friends so it was everybody who missed the 90s and the 2000s had one place to go and it was a boom time for netflix and now that they've lost those streaming rights that's why netflix is so furiously investing in original content and then trying to like create a new generation of users that don't even remember all the old ones, you know, but they still paid good money for Seinfeld. It's build versus buy, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they had the money to be able to make those decisions. The other thing that really helps is, you know, the streaming services, either you pay for them, sure, but like the other big component of the funding, they're also sponsored by massive tech companies and media conglomerates now. Um, and that began gaining prominence around 2019 when Yahoo Screen shut down. Like Netflix had become its own tech and media conglomerate. It had established itself as that Silicon Valley company. Hulu is underwritten by Big Daddy Disney. Prime, of course, is Big Daddy Amazon. Paramount Plus is big, semi Big Daddy Paramount, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Max is, it's of course, Cruise. Evil, da <laughs> Evil Daddy, uh, Warner Brothers is underwriting Max. So it's like y you have to have these kind of content uh, affiliations. Freaking Peacock and NBC are both owned by Universal, which, of course, Universal Studios is also one of those like, we have a hundred years of back catalog, guys. Do you want to watch every iteration of The Mummy ever made? Like, mm -hmm. it's. They can't keep up with that. So this is moving to the top of my list. Lower in the list, which I, I don't think is a big reason, but I think is significant enough worth mentioning, is um, the user-generated content coming from platforms like YouTube and Twitch. Between the time of October 2013 and October 2015, Yahoo Screen's unique visitors showed a fall of 28%. Um, and they came in at 15 million unique visitors in November 2015. YouTube has like billions of unique visitors coming in from across the globe. It, so the motive over there is kind of the same thing as with streaming services. There is, of course, like fighting for the mindshare of internet content. Where will people go to? a tech rivalry aspect of it, which I find a little petty, little Game of Thrones. Yahoo and Google and Amazon are like sniping at each other from the Bay Area. Google has YouTube, Amazon has Twitch, and Yahoo is like, well, we'll fight you. And they're like, 
bro, this is in between the three yeah. of us. It's like a, a two-person fight. It's cute. It's cute that you're trying. Like, go back to Sunnyvale, babe. Like, take the Caltrain and go back down. People were starting to become celebrities because of their channels on YouTube. Like, Nikki Tutorials was showing up on the red carpet for the Met Gala. I don't remember anyone getting famous off of Yahoo video. So, um, Well, here's the thing, right? They So you said YouTube uh, experimented with original content. Didn't work. You know what they did? They invested in, in their creatives and, like, the original content. Gave them the means and method to just open up access because they knew this was their bread and butter. Right. And Twitch also kind of learned from YouTube and did the same sort of elevation of content with their creators, created that partner system. It was a huge deal in 2020 when uh, representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar went on Twitch to do like a get out the vote campaign with a whole bunch of Twitch streamers. They played Among Us and had frank discussions about what they had worked on since their election and what they hoped to do. Can you imagine like telling Yahoo that like someday this is going to be like a platform for politicians to do outreach to people? Campaign money could be coming in through here and they just let it slip through their fingers. I mean, again, I think like, this is like a little bit further down the list but it's still significant enough another one that i think comes at the same level social media specifically with the boom of short form content you know the video oriented site where people are searching for digital content in the website like youtube like yahoo you know that used to be the only option out there but now it's like Hey, you can watch a video on Instagram. You can watch video on Facebook. You can watch video on Twitter if Elon Musk feels like it or if the servers aren't on fucking fire. Twitter hates video. I mean, it acquired Vine. Boom, killed it dead. It acquired Periscope. Boom, killed it dead. So maybe they hate video. They're like, let us stick to the power of the word, of the written word of the script and like, but anyway, continuing with the idea of social media, I think their motive again is Facebook is competent evil, the opposite of Yahoo. Facebook is also an intensely competitive um, tech company that wants to keep growing even though the population of the world is a limited number. So stop that. But the opportunity... <laughs> Well, Instagram really came out swinging as like this video oriented platform in 2015. I think that when they jocked Snapchat style with the stories, I was like, ooh, Dude, they're trying to be ate its else. lunch. I know people are like, I don't get the Instagram stories concept. And a week later, they were on Instagram. And Bitches be like, here's the story. Here are all my reels. Here are my um, different vacation stories categorized by hotness of outfit. And I'm like, hey, remember when you said you didn't fucking get it? But here's the, the thing. Like, we don't, we're no fans of Mark Z over here. But the product people at Instagram knew what they were doing. And he hired the people who hired those people. Like, But, like, again, going back to the suspect board, I think... Social media is a little bit lower than the um, user-generated content thing. 
But here's my prime suspect. Here's the real one, Kira. I don't think it's a murder. I think it's self-inflicted. I think... I think the killer is in, in, in the morgue and that is Yahoo themselves. I remember a lot of people doing fantasy football on Yahoo. For me, the main entertainment I got from Yahoo was Yahoo Answers. You have over-medicated people Quora, and under-medicated people Quora coming together. Quora can only together. dream. <laughs> Quora can't dream because you need like a legit account and stuff to go on there. Yahoo Answers, though. There are so many ways to find out if you're pregnant. Did you know that? I do, because I spent my time drinking wine and reading Yahoo Answers. I wasn't going to their streaming website. I was like, Yahoo is for, like, the email address that you need to sign up for services that you don't actually check because it's like where you get all your junk mail. Uh, you want a Best Buy card? Give them your Yahoo, you know, so you can get the discount without having to be spammed with actual emails. It, it went overboard in trying to diversify its content and it, it was too much diversity, goddammit. And Yahoo's screen was like, going back to how you talked about information architecture, it was based on Yahoo. Motherfuckers aren't yahooing anything in 2011 to 2019. Yeah. Nobody was going to Yahoo. Stop that. And But there was no other way to get there. You couldn't go to a yahoo-screen.com like you said. One of the sources that I was looking for <laughs> said, and I quote, Yahoo shares its plight with the likes of Condé Nast, which has faced similar hurdles getting anyone to watch watch their videos on the scene. It's home for content created by Condé Nast Entertainment. Yep. Also a hub. Also a hub. I know about this as well, but it's also another one of those experiences. One click, two click, and it's a. Uh, it's not a good. No, no. And like, again, with Prime as well, like, okay, yeah, you do have to go to Amazon.com. But the Prime, like, uh, branding, rabbit hole, yeah, the Prime branding and the Prime video rabbit hole is not that difficult to dig into. Plus, it has, you know, things for your living room and for your devices. It's like a separate app. Prime video is a separate thing. So you can just get to it directly without having to rely on going to Amazon, which is an incredibly popular site. So it doesn't face the same problem. That's my detective's report that those are the clue uh, characters. I think it was Yahoo in the conservatory with a rope. That's my reading, babe. <laughs> I, come, I have come to this conclusion, and as painful as it may seem, this I believe to be Helen Berry. What a, what a mystery. Some final thoughts. What does it take to become a successful streaming service right now? State of the Union 2023. Things are a little bit shaky right now. 
So according to predictions, I will... These are just like some of the predictions that we think are in the near future for streaming. And then Raven, you can offer your thoughts. Um, but according to cord cutters, which still exists, I know we were making making fun of the term, but cordcutters.com still exists. So with a 93% adoption rate, streaming platforms now have more than double the base of traditional cable TV, right? Cord cutters, makes sense. Which has dropped to 40% uh, uh, of American adults, the number for traditional cable TV. So 93% adoption rate. So there's streaming has touch points in every life now. It's not an emerging technology, it's the norm. What this means is that the peak is no longer a peak, it's a plateau, right? Like you've reached the growth plateau and you're no longer there to break ground in terms of like grow subscribers. And that's where streamers, as we saw last year, struggled because they are growing subscribers, but not, but very just, just, barely and actually not adding any revenue because of that and that's why everyone has sort of pivoted to, to ads tier so I, where does it go in terms of growth so at a time you know we've hinted at this before we, we talk about it at, at length at a time where creatives in the industry are a little bit if not really sick of the new model of streaming and the norms it has created and are being very loud and serious about the issue this is causing a momentum slowdown look at the recent decline in peak and prestige tv we've seen the ending of a lot of umbrellas of of, of a lot of umbrella content stranger things is approaching its end succession just ended what exists for us that's still prestige is it She-Hulk? Is it The Idol? Movies are no longer streaming-only releases. And the concept of PVOD, which was, remember, Black Widow, uh, you could pay to actually see movies, you know, premiere VOD on streaming and not go to the theater. The PVOD concept is a little bit lost, and movies have moved to, to theatrical only. And... Uh, this has become the new norm, right? 45 days to to a streaming service or for rent after the theatrical release. It is actually turning to back what it was back in the day, which was 60 to 90 days. <clears throat> and the next thing is we've mentioned more international focus. If there's no growth to be done in the United States, that's why there's aggressive focus in Asian markets, in Latin markets and Korea, South Korea, India, and so many Latin American countries, there's still, there's still space there and they're yeah. winning. It's tradition of consuming media there too. It's not like, oh, they're not familiar with the internet. I'm like, they don't care. Very different business models operating there. Can't assume that everything is like the United States, guys. That's not how it So is. what is it exactly? But what does this mean though? So I was looking up some stats, you know, data fuels us. South Korea will reach about, so according to Statista, who do, they do analytics around around streaming, South Korea will reach around 2 billion mark in streaming profits this year, which is unheard of in South Korea. I mean, obviously, we've already crossed that in the United States, but as a growing market, South Korea, huge. The growth rate itself is projected to be 10% through the next few years. 
I think it, it was projected to be under 8% for US and that's like tops that it can go. India is projected to be at a growth rate of 13%. So just coming in hot guys, it's like booming markets. And both of these, obviously, as I mentioned, exceed the growth rate of the US. What does this mean? Right? Like, what are we predicting here? I think it really means as we shift focus to international content, we might start to see leadership changes, heads of content on Netflix, heads of content at HBO, heads of content, Paramount, actually be more international, non-US based people. That would be revolutionary. I mean, obviously, these are US-based companies, but to actually put someone who understands their, this booming market at a time where you that is what you need to do to survive would could be... Yeah. And conveniently coincides with the US labor market not being I wasn't available in, I wasn't to be gonna exploited mention right this, now. But yes. Um... I mean, we covered this in our uh, British TV episode as well, but it's like the barrier for American consumers to appreciate and consume content from other countries has also been coming down given the fact that now it also aligns very nicely with their profit margin intentions i'm expecting things to shift to the international content section um quite steadily and it will of course be given to us under the sheen of diversity but really it's about hey these people aren't members of sag aftra so they'll act they'll stand in front of the camera hit the marks Awful. and say the line but yeah interestingly the writer or one of the writers for squid game did say they're also not seeing any profits from netflix uh with regards to residuals with this hugely successful show so they are also concerned with future partnerships um biggest of all i think the prediction is it's already happening we know this is the big thing that's going to happen is consolidation so disney and hulu will become one platform soon. We've seen Paramount and Showtime. This I was surprised by. Showtime just being like a little, little tab in Paramount. This general monopolization is on everyone's minds because somehow, after years and years, they've caught on to the fact that people can't subscribe to more than two or three services at a time. I'm hoping, for example, on Max, that if a show does not get watched as much as uh, like an HBO prestige thing like Mildred Pierce <laughs> does not get the same amount of viewership as Murder Mystery House number five from Investigative Discovery or whatever bottom of the heap garbage that came in from um, fucking lean back streaming service. <laughs> Does that mean you're not going to give money to HBO? Like, fuck no. Please don't let it be metrics-based over there yeah. because people will take time to consume things. You know how many people are getting into The Sopranos because it's now on HBO, like, Go and Max and stuff? Like, there are people out there who are... Every day, there's a new Gen Z person getting bummed out. Two things come to mind. One, that... the. I'll, right now customer is winning but my fear is that it's going back to the cable model of like just you know two companies left standing and it's either or and they're both taking advantage of you and this is the stuff this is what we had left behind and they never could find a balance and now they're going to well 
I think that you know we had this the the flu influenza pandemic of 1918 and the coronavirus. We never learned. Pick your poison. Another, I. Well, I think another thing we should bring back is uh, fucking preventing monopolies because that shit happened about a hundred years ago. So yeah, guys, let's get back to traditional values. I'm just saying, maybe it's time to re-examine some antitrust laws, yeah. right? I'm yeah. sure that I will say that I think Max will be the first to go because they've already done like a really bad job with their consolidation of Discovery and HBO content and. I don't know about you. It's not working. I'm coming at this like fuck objective thought. This is me just being like praying for your downfall. Yeah. Um, but I, I think again, like uh, to me again, the biggest thing in like the risks in streaming is that underlying cost. It costs so much money to host video content in high quality and to support the number of people that you you want millions of subscribers to your website, right? Can you actually fucking handle millions of subscribers to your website? Because if it's constantly crashing, like HBO Max did in the beginning, it tells me that you don't understand the different aspects of the investment. Like your eyes are bigger than your stomach. You need to be able to prepare for that. The underlying tech and um, the general look and feel of the site. Like to me, it's very reminiscent of cars. Once upon a time, a GPS system was like, "Ooh, I paid extra for this. Now it's expected." Heated Correct. seats. Ooh, oh my God, what a luxury! That's expected now. Like all the stuff that Netflix does, like you know, like watch party with Hulu. And Amazon you know what it is? It makes me think of that's going to become like an expected. It, yeah, it, and it, it. I think it already is, and and the the companies for their profits keep quote-unquote spoiling us and then at some point they pull the rug from under us and they're like we gave you 15 things that were super we didn't charge you for them and now you know you pay like 25 dollars for for this service i was gonna say volkswagen is like you want heated seats pay pay us for it and i'm like what the fuck yeah. This could backfire horribly insidious like a very corporate tactic this insidious where you just kind of like let us experience something that becomes the norm and they're like haha you know what you actually have to pay for this now literally a last minute scrambling of fuck fuck what can we bring in as a new point of revenue like i think for example um so the there there was something i, I i'm trolling on twitter all the time guys please um follow me on twitter but one of the most interesting things that you can do is follow people who are in the entertainment industry one of those people is zach stents um his handle is at muse zach uh, he is the writer for the first Thor movie. He wrote X-Men First Class. Um, he has also written a bunch of other things for television and streaming. Uh, he's very familiar with the industry and his insanely popular tweet recently was, Sony reminds me of the person at the gold rush who wasn't going in to dig for the gold, but was the person who's like selling mining equipment and lanterns. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing yeah. his tweet. And someone was like, lol, Sony is the Levi Strauss of the gold rush. And 
fucking Levi Strauss is still fucking around. I mean, people are wearing Levi jeans still, but no one's digging for gold. And to me, that was like, ooh, this is an interesting thing to think of because, well, Sony did try Crackle and they were like, <laughs> no. And then they sold it to like the chicken soup for the Sola company, which is again, one of those things. I felt like you, when you talked about Yahoo screen, I was like, the chicken soup for the Soul company? That's not real. <laughs> but, um, they're choosing not to go in because they're like, yeah, it's fucking expensive to do this. Why don't we just like give the uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse 4K files to Netflix and let them handle how they're going to let their millions of subscribers watch it in the highest definition possible. There's something to be said not about like standing back and letting things play out. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and Sony also was like, yo, we don't have like a hundred years worth of content, <laughs> like the the Paramount Plus and the Max and the Peacocks can have access to with all these like really old studios behind them. So again, and 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 I, I'm trying to see if things that go, you know, in the more independent direction of cinema, like A24 and Annapurna these are like the quote-unquote bigger small studios imagine what a get it would be if netflix next year announced we are a24's streaming service all you letterbox nerds out there with timothy chalamet posters and you fucking people with your tweet like reviews like you watch you know fucking killing of a sacred deer and your responses Colin Farrell could step on my neck anytime four stars Nick Cage is our god this yeah. is your right this is your streaming service like to be that's really good for A24 they can keep making the kind of films they want without being like how is it going to do on streaming they're not fucking worried about that they've got a place to go after they've gone through their PVOD cycle they're like it's gonna be on Netflix that's great that would be that would be a game changer for me personally because Netflix is on the verge of being the first service for me to go and if they somehow announce like a partnership with A24 yeah. Annapurna um dude that's it I'm fully back in but I don't think that m will happen because A24 really understands their brand and their audience and their product <laughs> I'm just saying, guys, I'm just reading the tea leaves. Now's not a good time to start a streaming service. One of y'all are thinking, oh, the streaming game looks really hot. I There's a reason we're comparing this to the gold rush. A lot of it is based in California and it didn't pan out well for everybody, pun intended. And it can mean that a lot of people get a lot of money but not enough for you to feel comfortable in saying you're guaranteed to make money you know what is a gold rush right uh, now the short form video revolution it's we're gonna talk about vine we're oh. gonna talk about tiktok we're gonna talk about youtube shorts because it's all the rage right now guys that's our next topic we sure are <laughs> We sure are. It's like a constant battle for any aspect of our attention. And this is just another form that it has mutated. And I'm I'm so ready to get into that with you for our next episode. Doing it. All right. That's it for today. Until next time, full screeners. Bye. Bye, everyone.